Hello listeners and welcome back after the Christmas break. So this episode was supposed to have been released during the Christmas period, but due to family life, you know, things just get in the way and it just became so busy I was unable to get this released out on time. So this is why you're now hearing this after Christmas and after the new year. I did hope everybody had a good good Christmas and a good new year and looking on the horizon we are still looking for killer mains who are interested in being a part of the show. My co-host Tofa is going on holiday this week so uh, there's going to be a couple of weeks where we're not going to have any interviews done because we haven't interviewed anybody over the Christmas period for obvious reasons and so once we get more people interviewed we will start releasing the episodes again hopefully on a regular basis so there's gonna be a couple of weeks break because like i said tofa's on holiday and it's just been absolutely manic so i do hope you enjoy this episode this one is a doozy i really really enjoyed this one but i will have to reiterate there is some language in this episode. So if you're uncomfortable with some language, then turn it off now. Anyway, enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. This week, we have another guest. So please, guests, tell us who you are and who you mean. Hi, my name is uh, Sarah Famize, Sarah Foshoid, and I currently main uh, The Plague. So The Plague is someone who... Oh, I've been playing more and more over the past month and I'm really enjoying her. She has many different play styles and can completely remove the ability to stop people from healing. But what made you start playing this killer? So th the short version is I'm very gay for tall women. <laughs> um, the long version is I didn't actually start out on the plague. I started out on someone else, got with was the spirit, got bullied to hell and back, uh, deinstalled the game for two months came back with a survivor actually saw someone playing hunters and was like oh that's really cool that they have like big buff tall women in the game because you don't see that that much um and then basically did research into what other killers there are uh and then i stumbled upon the plague and i was like oh that's a really interesting design because it's like the babylonian stuff which isn't exactly the norm for horror things i feel like um, and then essentially I was like, okay, her power sounds really cool. So I guess I'll try her out. And then it just instantly fell in love with it. The voice lines, the design, the way she moves, the way her power works, just everything just clicked for me. I thought her story was really interesting because it was different. I thought it was cool that she was the tallest, at that point, I think the tallest killer in the game. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> I guess I will never touch anything else. And for like a solid year, I actually didn't play any other killer than Plague. Just her. Because I just really loved the design and the feel and the thing, way everything worked was just exactly my thing. So more just an aesthetic thing rather than a gameplay thing, right? Yes, actually. I thought her backstory sounded really cool. I've always been super interested in like cult things, which is what drew me to her in the beginning because I was like, oh, this looks very ceremonial and religious and then i read her backstory which was fucking tragic 
because it's just like and then she became this thing in the fog to save her people and i thought that was incredibly interesting and just such a beautiful story that i was like okay i played this killer not because i think uh, her the playstyle is great but just because i thought the story was nice and then the playstyle came after that that i just loved it well thank you very much for coming along to do this interview sarah it's great to have you here so let's start with your build. There's many kinds of builds out there. You've got your efficient builds, you've got your fun builds, and just people, just builds that people like to run on a regular basis. So um, let's talk about your build. What works for you and why do you run it? So currently with the MMR I'm in, which I'm judging by the squads I'm getting is relatively high, I have to or want to run a meta build because I do play to win most of the time. So right now I'm I have Brian, which works incredibly well because they can't, sit there and wait out the infection on objects because it's just going to keep regressing faster so they can't just wait it out so i have that and then obviously eruption so if they don't wait it out and if i do get it down they can't touch the gen anyway so it regresses a little bit and on top of that <laughs> currently a scourge hook pain resonance so if i get if i get a scourge hook which isn't guaranteed in it by any means i get that the fourth perk i'm experimenting with with i like lethal for early infections and early chases so i have early game pressure because plague struggles obviously struggles with it um or i run fearmonger uh, is that still called that or is it mindbreaker no no it was mindbreaker sorry uh fearmonger right now so they don't know where I'm hooking people and when I'm hooking people, so they can't let go of the gen to avoid um, pain resonance screams. So that works, uh, which is like mostly my sweaty build. Sometimes I run Athena because that obviously also works very well for her, but that's currently the build I'm, that I'm running. So there are currently 103 killer perks in the game in which 30 perks come from licensed killers, which people have to pay money for. There are a lot of new and old players out there that might not have any of these yet. So let's focus on the 73 perks that are available to everybody. Do you have any builds that you can share that are worth running? Oh yeah, like I think it's more like builds specifically because it's more of a, a combination of perks that just work well on her. So it's a mix and match thing because like there's her own perk corrupt, which is a great thing. So you can stop people from spreading gens early on and you only have a couple you have to defend for like two minutes, which gives you, I think, time to ease into the game very well, which is nice. Uh, Thanatophobia for, by the nurse is obviously incredibly strong on her If you because either you keep people infected and they get slowed down on gens or they cleanse a lot and you get access to your power um, I like running blood favor on her um, just because it's funny <laughs> because if you keep infecting people and they think okay cool I run into a I run to a pallet and you get just in time get them injured they just can't drop it and you get an easy down on it you can run Undying if you want to keep Blood Favor. You can also run Overcharge, which is a good substitute for like Brian, for example. Um, Pentimento, if you have Blood Favor and Undying to get even more slowdown on it. I like Rancor, which I think is an underrated perk in general because it does give you information. And it most of the time guarantees you a, at least one kill in endgame. Because with Plague, if you keep people infected, you can hear them and they can't hide that well. Which I uh, like on her a lot. Um, uh, what was it? And if you run 
Rancor, you can couple it with No Way Out and maybe know it and have more of an endgame build with it. But like, I personally probably, if I would run them like that, I would probably go with either Corrupt, Thana, Overcharge, and Rancor for a slowdown coupled with um, information if they do get your things done and at least have one thing for endgame so that you're not like dead in the water perk-wise. Or if you go full endgame, I would go uh, No Ed, Rancor, No Way Out, and then either put Blood Favor on that, but that's a gamble if you keep it, or Thana, so as to not make it super obvious that you have a complete endgame build. Some people like running Nemesis alongside Rancor as well to force the Obsession to change at endgame as well. Oh yeah, that's also a really good, really good perk, I guess, to, to run with that. That would also work very well. It's a fun idea, actually. <laughs> So there's occasions where even those who have the most play-to-win kind of mentality want to have a game with a less-than-optimal build, whether it will be to give themselves an intentional disadvantage or to have some fun with some survivors with a gimmicky meme build. Could you share with us any such meme or gimmicky builds that you like to use for fun? Oh, I have my favorite, which is the dumbest build I could come by at some point because it's literally not effective at all. It's just, I vault very fast. So it's just bamboozle, fire up, superior, and superior anatomy. So if you're in chase with someone and they're like, well, I can just vault out of this window that you'd have to you normally work around. And I just vault after them and they get no distance whatsoever. <laughs> Mostly it's just funny because if you have survivors who really don't expect it, you can see them make mistakes because they suddenly don't know where to go anymore. So it's kind of just, <laughs> it's just me being like, oh, you thought? You had the advantage. No, you don't. I can vault fast just like you can. Um, which I just like because it's stupid. And then I have uh, what a friend of mine called the fuck around and find out plague. Which is the, her, I call it her meme add-on. Which is the one that changes her power so she can't infect people only objects. That one. And longer infection time on objects. And for perks it's just mad grid iron grabs agitation. And then either Starstruck, if I'm feeling very spicy, or if I'm not feeling spicy, save the best for last. <laughs> so I just run around with people on my back all the time, basically. Sometimes people play along and just stay there. And I just do a backpack game, like, all match. And sometimes it's just survivors being very, very scared whenever I pick someone up and you can see them just scatter. Which is also nice. But those are like my two favorite meme builds, I think, on her. You know what? I never thought about running Save the Best for Last on Plague. Because she's not an M1 killer. But if you deliberately make your power not be as effective as it is, it's kind of a funny perk because people just don't expect it. And I like doing it because it's stupid. So it's like, this is incredibly ineffective on Plague, but it's funny. So... So when picking a build, one of the most important things to most people are the add-ons, and it can change the game entirely, whether it's to get someone exposed quicker, makes you quicker, reduces cooldown on your power, or just to slow the game down. So of all the add-ons available to you, what would you run, what would you recommend, and what would you avoid? Add-ons are my favorite thing about Dead by Daylight, because they can change with your playstyle. So it, I'm... I've been excited for this question and I made like notes that like half a pa half a page long. <laughs> um, but it's like, I actually don't run add-ons that work with Plague optimally because she's technically not a chase killer. She's a setup killer. So you set up people to get them sick and then wait for them to cleanse so you get your power. 
but I play her in a way that I can infect them and chase faster. So I play more of a chase build, which <laughs> isn't super effective most of the time, especially not if you go against people who know what they're doing and who know how to loop, where you need your power to have an advantage over them, the corrupt purge, I mean. But um, my favorite add-ons currently are the infected emetic, which is a green add-on that makes her vile purge like 40% more effective, I think. Um, and potent tincture, which is a yellow that makes her cooldown shorter by 0.4 seconds, which doesn't sound like much, but it can give you an edge, especially around like LT walls or any windows where you get people infected and your cooldown is quick enough that you hit them before they can either go away from the window or even get to vault it, which is just very nice <laughs> because that's, I think, one of the worst things if you do, if you try to get someone infected in chase that often they just vault a window and you have them broken and they are full infected, so you would just have to hit them to down them, but you have to still commit to the chase longer. Um, and I have my incredibly sweaty build, uh, which just replaces the potent tincture, so the cooldown, with black incense, which shows me when people vomit, which shows me people's aura, sorry, when they vomit, which is especially great if you pair it with like Lethal Pursuer or something, which I like a lot. Um... But if we say, like, generally speaking, I'd recommend any cooldown reduction so you have a better time um, to actually, like, hit people after you get them broken. Double double cooldown is really fun because it's, like, barely anything then. Um, and I, like, I think infectiveness is great if you do it during chase. There's, like, I think a brown, a yellow, and a green one. You can also double up on those, but it's not... Eh, it's not that much of a difference, I think. Um, there's also a quicker charge rate, charge rates, which is great if you do want to like uh, just like rapid fire, short bursts of vomit. It's great if you pair it with um, cooldown. And God, if you want more value out of her corrupt purge, I'd say just run both of the apples, which is like I don't quite know the names. I think it's Ashen Apple and Blessed Apple. Yeah. Um, so you have more pools, like three more, I think, or two two more pools and have two infected in the beginning, which makes it way easier for you to actually get use out of your power instead of you just have one pool where you really need to like, oh god, I have one pool. I need to think about when to use it and how to use it. So those are really great in my opinion as well. The one I really don't like <laughs> is actually her meme add-on, the one I mentioned before, because it seems like a lot of people recommend that if you get started on Plague, it's like, oh, just run that so you don't have to worry about your power. But I think that's like the opposite of helpful. I think it's really the best time you have is really if you use it just for fucking around, because it's just, it's not that impressive of an add-on, in my opinion. It doesn't really help her playstyle at all. And in the current meta where people just will just bust out gens, it does even less. So, yeah. So getting the right perks and add-ons are very important, but getting the strategy right is equally as important as it is how the game is played. So I want to talk more about your strategy. When loading into a trial, what are your preferred maps? What strategy do you adopt based on the perks and add-ons that you use on a regular basis? 
Okay, so preferred maps, I don't have many, which seems to be a general killer main thing when you ask a killer main what maps they like. It's usually like none or midwitch. Um, but I like auto haven because the auto haven maps are oftentimes relatively open in the middle with less like trees and stuff. So I can snipe better with uh, the corrupt purge and the vile purge. The knee high loops aren't great, but like in general, you can do more distance plays on them, which I like. And I don't hate the corn maps for the same reason is that they're open. But the problem is that I have a problem with my eyes. So I get a headache and I can't see well because they're so bright. And that's kind of it. <laughs> Most of the maps I either don't have an opinion on or I actively dislike them. Auto Haven maps are really the only ones where I'm like, yeah, these are these are pretty good. These are these I can I can play these map offerings if I'm sick and tired of people putting me on Eerie. <sighs> and strategy I use on the perks and based on the perks and add-ons is usually um, early infections and try to set up a three gen pretty much immediately and hold on to it for like dear life because either. It's going to be a stalling match in late game when they have only one gen left. Or they're going to try to overcommit to breaking my three gen, giving me more and more downs and more hooks in the general area of the three gen, which makes it easy to force second second stages, um, get hook exchanges and keep the gens. So that's currently the strategy that I go for, which is probably a little bit shitty. <laughs> but I do play to win the game most of the time. And that usually works very well unless people are really good at communicating. So I find with the uh, the best strategy so far that I've found really with the plague is to have a three gen, and then just try and take one person out as you as you're protecting that three gen. Absolutely, just hold on to it. It's it's hard because they want to wait out the infection on the gens, but they can't, especially not if you run Brian. So they have to touch it and have to get infected. And then either they over-cleanse, giving you even more of an area that you can defend, or they don't cleanse at all, making it easier for you to catch them um, out of position and get easier downs for nice for eruption plays. And uh, if you're lucky and have scourge hooks in the area, also scourge hooks. So that's currently my favorite thing to do. So when you're going into a match, you have to assess your strategy based on the perks you have, the add-ons you've got equipped, the map that you happen to load into, and the survivors that you are likely to face. Because let's face it, even though they a lot of them do run the same kind of perks, some of them are just better than others at looping, or some of them are just straight up W gamers. So do you opt to change your playstyle based on how the survivors play, or do you just play like you have some kind of one-trick routine or strategy? I think that's the problem with the build I run, because it is very much a one-trick pony. If I get a team where I have a three-gen and there's one gen left and all four are still alive, and they have the communication, they will push all three gens at the same time, making it impossible to defend them. Because like the best thing to do against the plague with a three-gen, or generally any plague, is just pre-run. The moment you hear her terror radius, is just run to the other direction, so she cannot catch you out of position. Wait until she kicked the gen and goes back and just get by, right back on the gen. Which is a problem <laughs> because I don't have chase perks. I don't have anything that could help with that. So if I get those teams, most of the time I just have to accept that this is just not going to work out. Um, but 
if it's if it's stuff where it's like you get an aggressive team with like flashlights and go for altruism plays a lot, I think that's where play can really, really shine. Because like I can just slug them. I have the ability to hear them way better because I try to keep four people infected at all points in time, if possible. So they can't go for flashlight plays as easy because I just hear you hiding around the corner. So if they get too aggressive, I just throw that energy right back at them and play equally aggressive, which like, which means like, if I have one person on the ground, I will leave them there for a moment and either try to bait people into coming to pick them up and get someone else down and therefore easier to get them on a hook. Or I just completely slug and just see what happens because it keeps people off gens. Um, and if they're not infected, they have to get infected to pick the person on the ground up. So it's like, I think, I feel like that's a win-win situation. If you have full bully squads, it gets harder if you have squads where it's like a two man with two head-ons that just does nothing but head on you in a building and you barely get out of it. And I think then I just, you just have to like, in general, (laughs) sit back and let them do whatever and just try to get out of the situation and leave those two in particular alone. But if I have a gen rushing squad, I just try my fucking damnedest to set up a three gen and hold it for as long as I can until people get frustrated and start making mistakes. Totems have always been a big part of how people play, and it can change the game entirely by either hindering or helping both sides. So last year, they released Boon Totems, and these alone became a powerful tool for survivors. So as a killer, you're either forced to leave them alone or face the consequences or snuff them, only to find 20 seconds later that they're back up. So let's talk about Totems, and more specifically, Totem Spawns. Do you think they're in a good spot, or do you think more changes are needed? I think they're fucking abysmal. <laughs> like, I've ha- I don't run totems often because of the totem spawns. Because it's there. Ca- there's always, and I mean always, only two things that can happen. Either they find it immediately or they don't find it at all. And the, the funky build I run uh, has, um, what was it, blood favor in it? And I've had more than one match where I load in and within like 10 seconds, I immediately get my totem popped. And I don't think that should be possible because I, one, I get that totems are supposed to be high risk, high reward. Most of the time they're just high risk without any reward. So I think they should possibly work similarly to corrupt intervention, where it's like, you can't touch things for two minutes or until someone goes down on killer side, which I think would be a way better thing because like if it's a totem, like uh, say devour hope, it won't matter because one, one stack of devour hope does basically nothing. And if it's a perk that is like a blood favor, at least you get guaranteed value out of it. If you actually get in a chase before it's unblocked. On survivor side, I think boon totems were a mistake. Um, and while I counter the biggest one, which is circle of healing, because what are you going to do against the plague? Heal. <laughs> um, I think the fact that it gives a fifth perk to three out of four survivors, it is just not high risk enough. 
because if you can snuff the same totem over and over and over and over without the totem actually breaking. And I think it's just unfair in a way that killers have to deal with not only four people, but also a perk that's gone. And then this group of four people can just reuse the perk and give other people more perks to work with. And I think that maybe Shattered Hope should have just been base kit from the start. Maybe. Just a thought. But other than that, I think they just need to rebalance boons, like, a lot. Like, either make it so you have limited usages, or you can't put it up on the same totem five times in a row. Or just make it so that killers can break totems when they snuff them, without having to run a perk. So, that's my opinion on that. I was playing a game earlier on, and I was a survivor. And three of us had Circle of Healing, and it was against a doctor. And literally, the doctor took three of them down, but we just kept, we all just kept putting them back up. And he was just getting so annoyed. You can cover an entire map with uh, boons if everybody in the group runs boons. You can have one survivor who runs four boons, which means that they give everybody four more perks while putting up one totem and you can't even destroy it. And I think maybe Behavior should have thought about that before introducing them, because like, in and of itself, I think the concept of boon totems is super interesting, and I think it's nice that survivors can do something with totems other than crunch the bones. But I think they just need to be rebalanced, that there is similarly high risk, high reward, as they are on killer side, because right now they're just not. Because for especially for M1 killers, for anyone who doesn't have a strong power... They can destroy your entire game because you don't need anyone to heal you anymore. You can just pull back into an area with a boon, especially if you set it up next to gens that were already done. The killer has no reason to go there because it costs a lot of time. You can just pull back, heal yourself, and go right back into action. The amounts of times when I had a coordinated three to four man that we just strategic strategically pulled back to heal and just took hits for one person in chase over and over, denying the killer any kind of hook is disgusting and it shouldn't work, but it does. So you've played the plague a lot and you played her a long time. You must have had some great matches, whether it's been against some high profile players, some competitive teams, maybe um, some content creators or just insane downs or extraordinary clutch moments that even surprised yourself that made you think, wow, I shouldn't have been able to do that. Do you think you could share some of these with us? Uh, I don't think I've ever gone against anyone high profile because there's not that many players who are like on the central EU servers, I think that are like incredibly well known. Um, but I have pulled back games by the skin of my teeth because either people cleanse in the wrong moment or other things. I think my favorite one um, was a match on New Haddonfield um, that I desperately needed someone dead on. Like really, really desperately. I had like two gens left that were incredibly efficient and I was like, I have one person dead on hook and they need to be out. They need to be out right now. So I got into chase with them <laughs> and they were fully infected, but Haddonfield has a lot of the house loops that are incredibly safe. Um, and I didn't have my power, but I had five, I think, yeah, five pools corrupted, but no way to leave and pick one up and get back into chase with her because it would cost so much time. So I was just like, oh my God. 
I hate it here. And then one person cleansed right next to where the chase was going on, putting me in my power. I downed the Yunjin I was chasing and she immediately DC'd. And I can't say I blame her for that. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that that was incredibly stupid of the, whoever cleansed in that moment. People really need to look at how many, how many pools are corrupted and what's going on before they cleanse. So that was funny. And I did pull the, pull the game back. I'm pretty sure I got like a, a four, well, 4K, a 3K technically since one person you see it. Uh, that still counts. Um, you would have got it either way. <laughs> very true. Um, and then I had one this week, I think. Uh, this week, yeah, this week um, on Wednesday or Thursday where I had a game on Mother's Dwelling, which is a horrible map for Plague because it's very big with a lot of trees, so you can't do snipes that well. And she doesn't have the map ability to run around that much. And uh, a Claude got me in chase in the area where I would have had a 3-gen, and I was like, I'll chase her, nobody else is here, it's going to be fine. And I had one chase, and four gens popped because they just tripled up on gens with Prove. So I got nothing done. I hooked her and I think that the last gen popped and was like, great, cool. I have one gen left. And they exactly left the three gen I had. <sighs> so I held that for, I think like 15 minutes. I held that three gen by the skin of my fucking teeth and pulled the entire game back and got a 4k. And I don't think there's anything I can say <laughs> if people are like, why do you run those perks? Isn't that boring? And I'm like, well, <laughs> Not if this thing happens. And that was still insane that I somehow managed to pull that entire game back. The problem was also that a lot of them um, didn't run soon enough. So I just caught them out of position over and over and over, giving me more hooks. And I had two or three scourge hooks in the area as well. So I just got eruption prog after eruption prog with um, play uh, with play thing, with a scourge. Uh, with pain res on it and then I could rebrine all the other gens and just worked incredibly well that was one of the best matches I've ever had I think because it was just it's nice to be able to pull something back where you feel like you didn't actually get to play the game at all just because people bring one perk and just communicate well enough that they just keep hopping from one gen to the next and you can't do anything about it if someone is even just slightly good at looping you just can't do anything. But that one worked out, so I'm very proud of that. So with the amount of time that you've been playing the Plague, you must have some great advice that you can share with us. So what advice would you give to new players or even your past self? Don't be afraid to call balls to the fucking wall every fucking time. Like, every time. Every time. Just throw yourself into it. Use your power as much as you can. Use whatever perks you want without listening to what people say, because that's what drove me away for the first time, because I ran Noed and someone told me to kill myself and I deinstalled the game for two months. <laughs> and now I say, report them, report them on every platform you can, uh, that they're on, that you can report them for this thing for and just move on. Because if someone gets that worked up over a game, <sighs> they're not worth your time. Just... Do not hesitate to try things out. Try without add-ons. Try with add-ons. Any add-ons you want. If you're like, I want to run double Eerie, then do it. Just do whatever you want, but 
I think the biggest point is to use her power as often as you can to get a feeling for it. And uh, like, <sighs> and if a match doesn't go your way and you notice, great, this is a wash. I can't hold this anymore. I don't want to hold this anymore. Then just try to see if you can go for trick shots. Try to see how you have to angle yourself to vomit over loops. That's a sentence and a half. But try to see what plays you can make to help you next time you're on that map. Or get into a chase with someone you know is a good looper. See how they behave around loops. Try to see how you can cut them off. Or how they, just in general, how they move so you have a reference point for the next time it happens. Especially in the beginning, I think that's the most important. Even if you have a shit game, just try to make the best out of it and learn from the experience without getting super frustrated. Because I know that's really easy, especially in the beginning. Especially if you like <clears throat> swap from a different killer to Plague. And you get the feeling like, but I was so good on, say, Spirit, and now I'm just shit on Plague. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to be. Because no killer plays the same unless you play a purely M1 killer that's 115. They all kind of play the same. But use the power as much as you want. Experiment with add-ons. I'd say, especially in the beginning, though, maybe try her once or twice without any add-ons so you get used to it. And don't, like me get extremely addicted to black incense in the beginning and then cry a little bit when you don't have any of the add-ons anymore. I think that's probably the most I could say. We're going to move on to tiles now. Um, so basically, every map have some tiles that are very identical to one another, just a different appearance, that sort of thing. Um, you've got your jungle gyms, LT walls, long walls, killer shack, which is a staple in almost all the maps. Or even maybe some map-specific main buildings. Uh, which is your favorite tile and why? I hate all of them, no. But <laughs> I think my favorite tiles are probably... Um, I like the LT walls because that's one of the first uh, tiles I learned how to play around where it's like, always run them anti-clockwise. I still say that to myself every time. Um, because it's funny because there's so many easy ways to mind game people, especially if they don't look or to catch them out of position because they vault a window too often and didn't realize it, and then have to take the long way around to try and get to the other one, you just get them. And I think it's fun because survivors can like juke you at the windows and try to fake them. And I think it's a, one of the more interesting places to play around. Um, and since I mentioned that I like the Auto Haven maps the most, and I think the Auto Haven maps was one of the ones where they changed the tiles around a little bit, so the jungle gems. And I used to not be that big of a fan of jungle gems, but I think a lot of the new ones have like funky little tiles that you can run around, or they have like a short wall in combination with a window and a long wall where you can do mind games because they just run like a predetermined loop. So they go like long wall into the window, into the pallet, into the window, into the long wall. And once you notice that they just like automatically run one specific loop, you can just catch them off and like catch them out of position by just not moving how you're supposed to. I once caught someone off guard just because I stood in the middle and he thought I was just going to walk after him the entire time. So I like those. But I will also say that I fucking hate Shaq. I cannot play around Shaq, and I don't like it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. 
Never, never like check that much. I don't think you're alone in that, really. Ugh. There's not I many people out there so that love Lupin Shack as a killer. A uh, hag and trapper, probably, <laughs> because they can just shut down the loops. But I can, but as plague, no chance. If I don't have my corrupt vomit at a shack loop, I usually don't bother with it because it's just going to take way too much time. To be honest, if you're a survivor and you run to shack against a, um, a hag or a trapper after they've had enough time to do a setup, then you kind of get what's coming to you. Absolutely. I think the best way to play around a shack, if you have any killer that can cut you off, blight nurse, spirit trapper and hag, is to pretend to run it while they're inside and then just zoom to another loop when they can't see you. I think that's probably the best idea to do that. But against the plague, you can just run that until it blocks off the window. And if you still have the pallet, then you just get away. Because I don't have the mobility to cut you off around Shaq. I'm just a 115 killer with an M1 ability. Eh. So that's See, that. I don't mind. I don't mind the Shaq when there's not a hook on one of the corners. Because I'm on forever getting stuck on them. I just make sure that I run them the wrong way around the, around the killer Shaq. And it just puts them in an awkward position because they can't really vault the window because you can double back. Oh, yeah. So. I still, I Shank is one of my weakest loops and I know that I technically just have to practice it because it does feel like 1.6k hours isn't actually that much in a game like Dead by Daylight. Not if I go frequently against people with like at least triple or quadruple the time that I have on the game and you see it in the moves. They know when to take the long way around. They know when to take the short way around. They'll just run in a circle in the middle while keeping an eye on you. And I think that's when I really struggle in Shag. So I usually like just avoid it like the baby I am. I'm just like, I don't want to do that right now. Thank you. Goodbye. So that's that. So generator speeds have always been an issue for killers and in recent times they've gotten a lot better with perks and changes to the time it takes for a generator to complete but with that being said it's hard for the devs to balance the game out based on some killers being stronger than others so what are your thoughts i think my biggest thought is um that they need to stop touching gens as in they need to stop making any perks that speed up gens or make perks that slow them down, like Thana. One, one's, one or one time regressions, like if you get a scourge hook or a jolt, that's okay. But I think they need to stop speeding them up because, like, you probably noticed it, right? With the meta currently, you have like at least two to three prove thyselves in a lobby at all points. I have yet to have a match where I didn't have at least one. You uh, always two toolboxes. Yeah, like toolboxes and prove thyself are in almost every lobby, and it's oh, and like streetwise with um built to last as well. Oh, very true. Those those are horrible, <laughs> especially mm -hmm. if it's if it's if it's a four man who knows how to do things. So you just have two people on gens and two people who just exchange loops every now and then, and then every now and then they throw in a circle of healing and. I personally am not that bothered by that, but any M1 killer is going to have a hard fucking time dealing with a team like that. Like, I run Prove Thyself, um, Circle of Healing, and Botany Knowledge um, as my three staple perks. So I'm usually like the gen jockey who's just going to like set up boons wherever I am, heal people up so they can go back into loops and just keep working on gens with one other person. And we've destroyed any killer like that, except maybe a nurse. 
but that's a nurse and I don't think that counts. <laughs> but like you're so likely to lose gens so fast, even now that they've made gens last longer, because in the same breath they said, oh yeah, we're going to make gens last longer. And here is that new survivor perk that's going to speed up gens by 50%, basically. And I was like, well, what's it matter then? Why does it matter that you make them 10 seconds longer? It's not going to matter, because instead of like, uh, taking 25 seconds to complete, they now take 30 seconds to complete. And like, unless you're like a nurse or a blight or maybe even a good huntress, it's so unlikely that you're gonna get people down that fast if they're any good at the game. Like, most of my chases take relatively long nowadays because A, I'm a plague, and B, the people I go against are just too good <laughs> for me to do that much about it. But I also know that it's not that easy because it would also mean rebalancing a lot of the killers to make them viable at all or less oppressive like a nurse. And like, I know it's easy to say like, oh, just make nurses blink hits an M2 attack. But I don't want to know what kind of code breaking that would mean for a behavior. So it's probably just not that easy to rebalance it in a way that most people are okay with it because like we we saw what happened the last time they put out anything they put out a patch that slightly benefited killers we lost survivors to the point that killer queues slowed down to five minutes even at heights of killer times and i was like that is insane so all I can say is that I think they need to rebalance gen speeds, but I know that that's not that easy as just being like, oh, well, just make them even longer, which is the problem. Honest, I thought um, hyperfocus was going to be an even bigger problem than I thought when it came out, but I never see anybody use it anymore. Only with stakeout. I see it with, with stakeout. Sometimes I use it with stakeout because, but I think people aren't that confident in hitting great skill checks at that speed. And I think there's just perks that are better in the current meta, which is like Circle of Healing, mostly. Circle of Healing is just that big. Like, I've had squads that had four Circle of Healings, and I was like, yeah, uh, good luck having three perks instead of four, because I just completely counter it. And they put it up anyways, which is very funny, because like sometimes you just hear four boons light up, and it's like, oh no, not Circle of Healing. Whatever am I going to do? But I think there's better perks than hyperfocus, even though hyperfocus is pretty damn good, which says a lot about the game, I think. So MMR is something that Behavior have put in to help make matches fairer for everyone, with each individual skill level trying to be as close to each other as possible. There's been lots of like different opinions in this matter. A lot of people say it's, well, not a lot, but some people say it's been a good change to their matches as they're not getting as many cracked survivors juicing them for five gens or... You get some people on the other end of that spectrum saying it's terrible, it should never have been involved in the game at all, and then some in-between reactions saying it's uh, it's the the intention and the ideas are good. It's just a very silly and primitive way of measuring MMR with it just being kills versus escapes, depending on what side you're on. So tell us from your own experience what your thoughts on MMR are and how it's affected your games with the plague. I hate it. Oh, me too. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so much because I'm one of those people where it's like intention, great implementation, 
horrible, mm. absolutely abysmal, because I get that they wanted to make matches fairer for people. But, and I've noticed that on both Killer and Survivor side, because I do play both sides really frequently, I'm just shit at Survivor, um, that it's just so bad. Because I think the latest thing was that they had that they said they wanted to decay less quickly if you've been gone for a long time or in general. And I think that sometimes is really a problem because now they implemented on Survivor side, they implemented group-based MMR, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just you anymore. It's based on the group, which is a problem. <laughs> because I swear to God, me and my two-man partner have had nights where we had teammates that had like 500 hours in the game, which for any other game, that would be a lot. But for Dead by Daylight, not at all. We're like double, triple that. Both of us have over 1.5k hours. And you just sit there and it's like, I've been on the hook. <laughs> I am almost second stage. You can see that my friend is in chase because the little entity arms are wiggling around their portrait. And both of my teammates are crouching on the opposite side of the map because they're scared that they run into the killer. And you sit there and it's like, wow, <laughs> well done, behavior. Can we please get great ranks back? Can, can we have those just back, please? Because you could be sure most of the time, at least, once you were in like the purples, I think, and the red ranks, that you had teammates who knew what they were doing. But now it's like, all it needs to get like, high prestige is just play the game a lot. You don't need to be good at it. You just need to play it a lot. Like I had survivors in my matches where it's like, yeah, I have, a, what was it? I think it was like prestige 64 or something. And she played like a baby. And that wasn't even on my main killer. That was on a legion. And they played in a way as if they had never seen a legion before. So I was just like, what are you doing with it? Behavior. What is happening that it still isn't working at all? Because most of my killer games now are like incredibly sweaty squads, which is completely fair. I am an incredibly sweaty killer. I'm not going to complain about it. But it's like, and then I lose one match and either it doesn't affect anything at all or it feels like it like punts me down so far that I get people who just installed the game. And then, of course, you have the problem with group-based matchmaking that if you have, like, three friends who have been playing this game for two years and you're like, oh, man, that seems like fun. I want to try it out. And then you go against the fucking 3,000-hour nurse <laughs> as a baby. And it's like, oh, my God, behavior. I think maybe group-based MMR wasn't that Good have an idea. I honestly or don't, just MMR in general. I don't think it could have been so hard for them to have maybe measured MMR with the you know the emblems you get at the end of the game. Like the killers and survivors get four totally different emblem scores, don't they? You got Lightbringer, you got mm -hmm. Deviousness. Why couldn't they just make a sort of MMR scoring around those already existing emblems instead of just kills versus escapes? Or do it or do it based on the amount of hours that you play the game for that particular, whether it's killer or survivor? Mm, no, because that could be a lot of AFK time as well. Oh, I'm I'm wiggling. <laughs> I'm wiggling in my seat oh, because no. you mentioned the emblems. Oh. <laughs> 
because Plague's emblems are broken. Have you ever noticed that if you play Plague, especially once you reach silver to gold, it is impossible with her to pip up? I sometimes get brutal killer, and so I get no pips, just a safety pip, even if I kill four survivors after a 10-minute match. And you want to know why? Is it because of um, infecting survivors, so you only hit them once? That, and her infection gives you incredibly little points for scoring like infecting a locker or anything for that matter is 25 points. 25. Ooh, don't break the bank there, behavior. So sometimes I end matches with just a quarter in the deviousness emblem. So it is impossible as plague, unless you run like uh, distressing, where you get double the score, to actually get a good scoring in the deviousness, unless you have like very long matches where you just infect things over and over. But other than that, it is almost impossible to pip up at like gold ranks or even, or red ranks. Don't get me fucking started. So that's a that's an actual problem with Plague. I think I probably wanted to talk about that at some point anyways. But like, so if, it, if, they, <laughs> so if they would implement matchmaking based on the emblems, I would just be fucked. Because I would just score extremely low in one of them all the time. So it's like, what should they base it on, is the question. Yeah, it would just be easier matches going forward than if that were <laughs> to be true, wouldn't it? Very true. I would just keep it at easy levels, which would be nice, to be fair. Um, but it's like, what would, what should they score it on? Because like a lot of people, including me, complain about the MMR. But like, what should you base it on? Should you base it on ours? Should you not base it on ours? Because like, even if you base it on, okay, they've played this game for 3,000 hours, but imagine it's a killer main who's never touched survivor, or it's a survivor main who's never touched killer before in their life, and they're like, okay, I want to try it out at least, and they go into their first trapper match, because that's all the killer they have, maybe. And they go against someone with the same amount of hours on survivor. That's not going to work out for them very well, especially on trapper. But it's like, I think at this point, maybe they should really just bring the rank system back. Because, like, at least you know that people will be on a, on moderately the same level. Because it took skill and time to pull up to the ranks, in my, like, in my experience. I, th I think they said before that they didn't want to implement anything like a quick play and a ranked version. Because they don't want to separate the player base. But that was before they put in crossplay. So now with crossplay on, they've got a much bigger player base, a much bigger pool of players to pick from. They probably could do a quick play where there's no MMR matchmaking versus an, a ranked play where you can rank up and get to rank one survivor, rank one killer. And that's the game mode that will get you your um, rank reset bonus on, on the 13th of every month as well. Yeah, but then you have the problem in quick play that you have the possibility of someone who's new who just wants to try it out. So goes into quick play, matching against someone who also just went into quick play because they're like without their mates or something. And it's just like mm. extremely cracked. Like that is the other problem. Which that just is, sounds like my my starting experience in Dead by Daylight anyway. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> because I was that person who went in with people who played the game for years, like when it came out. And I was like sitting here in 2021 and I was like, this looks like a fun thing to play. It wasn't. <laughs> uh, and that was back when I was like 
more able to play solo queue, but now nowadays I don't touch solo queue. I do not play Survivor unless it's with, with at least one more person, which is interesting. I think that also changed a lot. But back when we had emblems, and it was like, and I think I got up to the purple. I never got up to red. They basically just were like, okay, we're changing everything now. Before I could ever get there, um. But I had always had teammates where I could be sure that they knew what they were doing in the same realm of expectations that I knew what I was doing. And I could be sure that the killer wasn't like extremely better or extremely worse than I was. Unless, of course, you know, we had a complete newbie in the group and then we suddenly got matched against like an Ash rank killer, which wasn't great either. But I feel like it was more consistent than MMR is. When you're going against the very killer that you main, it can be quite the experience. Being a main for that particular killer, you've got a better insight than most about what they can do, what they can't do, the add-ons they might be using, and knowing their limits. When you're playing Survivor, do you enjoy going against the plague? I love it, but I'm also really bad at it. <laughs> because I'm generally not that great at Survivor. I have killer brain most of the time. Like... When I see a pool that's infected, I'm like, oh, cool, I can pick that up later. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, no, I can't. I'm I'm a survivor. I can't do anything with that. But I'm also just like not great at looping. <laughs> and uh, often I play on uh, 200 ping because I play with a lot of people who are over in America. Which makes it even worse because I get hits from Nirvana. But... I like seeing what they run and how they play more than anything. I like seeing if they play different from me, if they make mistakes that I wouldn't have made, which is kind of an ego boost, I guess. Um, and I like seeing what they do better than I do, which what I can maybe learn from it. And I, my favorite thing to do is like try to guess the add-ons they're running, like based on the infection timers or how they play something, how many pools are in a match that you can see. Stuff like that. Uh, so it's fun most of the time. But I very recently had a very shit match against the plague on Dead Dog, who refused to use her power at all and just M1 tunneled me out of the match. So that wasn't fun. And I took that weirdly personally because I sat there and was like, you give plague players a bad name, all like five of us <laughs> that probably exist right now. But it's like, overall... I like going against her a lot because I also think she's very pretty. <laughs> so I like looking at her. So that's nice. DBD has gone through many changes from balancing perk changes to complete readjustment of some of the killers. Oh, and we want to know. Do you think the devs are doing a good job with the current state of DBD? Do you think they need to do more or are you happy with the current state of the game? I think they need to do more even though they're, I guess, kind of doing that already, according to like their roadmaps and their big, big reveal when they completely shifted the meta, air quotes. They kind of didn't, but yeah. But it feels, it feels like we're getting more bugs lately. I don't know if you've noticed, but the last chapter reveal was the worst we've had in a while. Like the knight's power is bugged. There are incredibly many fat time spots. Loops are out of position. The stuff next to loop is out of position. There's um, hitboxes where they shouldn't be any. I had one on uh, Father Campbell's Chapel, I think, 
where no, not that disturbed ward. Where if you went up on the right side of the stairs, you were blocked from going up up them at all. And if you went up on the left side of the stairs, it was no problem. And I don't think I've seen any chapter drop that fucked with so much in the game like this one did. To the point where they even said, uh, this didn't go as smoothly as we did. Here's 750k blood points. And it's like, great. Can you fix the, the problems? And I think they're too slow on the draw. And I think sometimes when things appear in the in the beta version, they don't actually fix them before the launch. They're like, oh yeah, here, the chapter is live, and here's all the bugs we know about but didn't fix yet. And it's like, then just hold the chapter back for a little bit longer and just fix your shit behavior before putting it in. Because there is, especially on Badham currently, there is a hedge loop that looks like you would fit through it no problem, but is completely blocked for the killer for some reason. Survivors can go through it no problem, but for the killer, they get fat shamed into oblivion. Yeah, the, that's happening on, a, on pretty much all of the maps. And it's insane. I have not seen that yet in all of the one and a half years, haha, that I have been playing this games and in the chapter drops we've had that hasn't happened yet, or if it has happened, they usually immediately kill switch the map. Like, I think Nemi couldn't fit through um, the Plague Temple doors, so they kill switch the map during the anniversary. But the Badham's still up, and they know about the spot, and it's still not fixed. So I'm sitting here like, uh, can we, like, fix it or kill switch it or do anything with it they were also incredibly slow on the draw with kill switching inner healing which was bugged and when they did kill switch it the first time they didn't kill switch it right so a lot of people still had access to it and it's like i feel like they've been dropping the ball lately like they fixed the hacking issue apparently because i think there's a lot less of those around I, at least i haven't heard as much uh, complaints about it but there's so much stuff going on in the game where I'm like, I'm pretty glad you got the event out on time. But what about the shit that makes things unplayable? Like, I've seen knights because they bug... Um, oh god, how to explain it? I've seen knights pick up people from under pallets because they use their minions to make the root go there and then there's a short moment where the knight actually glitches into that spot picks up to survivor and glitches back out from under the pallet so you can't pallet save someone and it's like is the night kill switched no is it fixed as far as i know it's not uh, there is still i think a new perk that's bugged which is uh, the nowhere to hide perk which currently doesn't work as it's intended to then fogwise i think currently reveals auras of stealth killers even though it shouldn't and it's like, why isn't it fixed yet? Because as far as I know, all of those were issues when the stuff came out. But it's still not fixed. And I think that was already a problem in the beta and it's still not fixed. And it's like, please, why, isn't, why aren't things getting done? Like, what are they doing that isn't this? 
And why aren't they telling us if they're doing anything else? Because they did also say they wanted to be more transparent about things. And so far, I feel like they've been less transparent. So, yeah. Some pretty hot takes. <laughs> is it? I feel like they're very lukewarm. <laughs> because it's like, it is it is just a lot of minor things stacking up right now, I think. Where it's like things that I feel like should have been fixed sooner, but somehow haven't been fixed yet. But I could also be wrong. Who knows? Because I only play Plague, so half of those things don't matter to me. Because like I, if I can't grab people from out of a pallet, I don't know if it's fixed. Because they're just saying so little right now that it feels like we're not getting the necessary information. And yet I'm still here playing this game. So I guess on a level I am satisfied with the current state of it. Because <laughs> I haven't completely dropped it yet. So who knows? So upon getting the survivors infected, and depending on the survivors you are facing, they will cleanse, hence giving you your power. And this can be a great moment for different reasons, like protecting a hook, or getting someone from the top of a platform, like on Dead Dog, like at a good, at a good range, different levels. When do you like to use your power, and how is the best way to use it? So like the, the herdy one, basically? Yeah, the herdy one. <laughs> Vile Purge, is it called? Corrupt Cor purge? No, Vile Corrupt Purge. purge. Corrupt Purge corrupt is the hurdy one. Vile Purge is the other. Um, but the Corrupt one, I will say, I am incredibly... How to put it? I, I'm still really unsure about using it. I've been getting more into it lately. Because like technically, you should just use it whenever the fuck you want. Unless you only have one pool, in which case... Just save it for a time when you like loop next to it. And you can grab it and just continue the chase. Um, but other than that, I'd say whenever you're in a chase with someone who's fully infected, just grab it. If you can. If you run past it, just immediately grab it. Because, like, that's what it's for. It's to be able to hit people from further away. Or give you more of a presence in chase. Because you are, after all, still kind of, like, a ranged killer. Not as much as, like, Huntress but you're still arranged. And I think that's very important to like not be shy about using it unless you have like only one pool. Then you should probably be very strategic about it. But if you don't, and if you have a team that cleanses often, just go for it. Whenever you can, grab it and use it as much as you can. Try to cut people off of loops. Try to make it unsafe. Try to get them to crouch often so they lose distance. Um, which is great around knee-high loops, in my opinion. So just use it whenever you can. Unless you have to go out of your way, then maybe don't. But other than that, yeah, go for it. The Plague's ability allows her to infect survivors and put them into the broken status. And I have found that sometimes you use her vial and you don't hit anybody. So can you talk a little bit about why this is happening and how you can correctly make sure that you're getting the survivors infected? That is probably one of the most frustrating things about Plague because I haven't seen a Plague main yet or anyone who plays, play, plays Plague who doesn't struggle with that. Because even if you know how a power works with about, with Plague mains, most of them know, is you have um, projectiles connected by artwork. 
which you can see if you like um, uh, go from left to right very fast with it because you'll see that it like that's like um, zigzagging instead of like being smooth, which is because the projectiles will and the art aren't really very very smooth things, so the art will be very rigid. So you can see where the projectile is and where the artwork is. Um, so sometimes when you hit someone, you will only hit them with like the art part of the power. So they go through the motions, they do the whole, oh my God, but they're not infected. So the best way to use it is if it's around loops that have a lot of, um, where they round corners a lot is vomit on windows and pallets. So they have to throw it or vault it and get infected or around tight loops, wait until you're right behind them and click your power so you can hit them straight on. Or if they're running from you, try to hit them while they're running in front of you. They will probably try to zigzag a little bit, but you can still hit them way better. Just either try to snipe, precision sniping, when they're like standing at a pallet or like on top of something. Or really try to hit them dead on while you're kind of right behind them or try to infect objects that they have to interact with. Because like that is still a problem. You can try to hit them while they're locked in an animation of throwing the pallet, vaulting a window, uh, doing a gen, whatever. Um, but other than that, there is, there is nothing else you can do about it, which is incredibly frustrating because sometimes you can see it bounce off of them and you can't help it. It's incredibly frustrating still. And I've played her for like 1000 hours now and it still happens and it probably will continue to happen until, unless behavior changes that. And I don't think they will. <laughs> Survivors and gens aren't the only thing that can become infected. There's many interactables like windows, lockers, pallets, and totems that could be infected for a brief period of time when they're vomited on. Other than it being a way of making a quick blood point or two, is it worth doing when you're on your way from point A to point B? Nope. It's not even worth it for the blood points. You make 25 points off of each infected object. And it slows you down. So it's like, it's almost never worth it. It's only worth it if you're in a chase around a window or a pallet. Or uh, if only worth it if it's a gen, then always yes. But like, I don't think I've ever vomited on a totem. Unless it's like my own hex totem, then sometimes... But most of the time, they'll just wait out the infection on that one because it's not that pressing to do. So it's like, unless it's endgame and you're just waddling around trying to let the last person get hatched, then I just vomit on everything to get a few quick points. But other than that, I would advise against it. It loses time. It slows you down. It's not that worth it. Just don't, unless you're in the loop and are actively chasing in it. Other than that, ugh. Only gens. Sometimes lockers if people if you think people hide in it. Because if they come out, they will also get a guaranteed infection. So either they wait out the infection and I think get a crow because that's how long it takes. Or they get out and get infected. So win-win. But on that, nah. Vomiting on a survivor in a chase to get them sick, especially in an open area, is one thing. But if they happen to be anywhere else, like a high wall or a jungle gym, then you can't really use your vile purge over them. Or... Perhaps even an indoor map where there are plenty of corners to turn around, like Larry's. It can be hard to infect them in good time before they start before you start noticing one or two generators are popping. 
So, is it best to just infect them and then M1 before they are broken and fully infected or commit to fully infecting them first? I am incredibly unsure about that one, I will be honest, because like I personally don't like giving them the speed boost that comes with hurting with like M1ing them. Because then they get farther away, and especially on indoor maps like Larry's, that means they get to four other windows and possibly the stupid god palette around the weird office area, which I hate. Um, so it's like, I personally commit to fully infecting them because usually if it's on Larry's, I consider the game done before it even started because I'm a plague. Um, but... I guess sometimes it would probably be better to hit them, to just have them injured already. But I don't like doing it. I like denying people the speed boost. I think that's probably incredibly inefficient, but I just don't like it. I guess in that sense, I am an M2 only plague. In that sense only. But it's like, ah. It heavily depends on your play style because, like, if you're generally okay with just M wanting people on plague because you just want them infected to spread it, do it. But if you're like me and you're like, the speed boost could carry them to something else, and then it's even harder, then just don't. Ever since the plague was released, she's had nothing but buffs and some quality of life changes, like getting that extra pool of um, that extra corrupted pool at the start of a trial. And she's only really had one nerf back when she came out of the PTB. Um, but what do you think? Do you think she's in a good spot or are there any more changes that are needed to the plague? And if so, could you think of any? I mentioned them before, which is please fix her emblems. Dear God, the points and the emblems. Oh, oh yes, the emblems. There is nothing more frustrating than not being able to reach iridescent for this even if it's just for my own ego or for the points on your main killer because it's borderline impossible to pip up at some point unless you have really good games that also take long because like you can have a super great game kill four survivors and i think we've all been there and get an entity displeased because you were too efficient and you sit there and it's like but i killed four people for you please stop and it's like her points are just so stupid. And it's like, why am I only getting 25 blood points for using my power that is designed to be used? And behavior is just like, <laughs> anyways, uh, we had to nerf this perk because it made nurse even more oppressive. And you sit here on your tiny killer who is incredibly non-meta because she's just kind of shit, actually. But it's like, can I have points at least? Because I'm glad they gave her the quality of life update that you now don't have to charge up to a specific threshold before it cancels itself. But it's like... <sighs> the emblems and the points are the biggest thing, coupled with um, the way her power works. I think it just it should be one projectile and not like multiple tiny round projectiles connected by splash art like why would it work like that if huntress can have hitboxes that are truck sized why can't i i want that come on but it's like please i beg on my knees behavior give me something give me give me anything that's better than this because it's just fr i think 
it's not anything that's like game breaking, but it's frustrating when you're like, I made a good play and you don't get it because you didn't hit them with a projectile. You hit them with the splash art. That's stupid. So sometimes just like the trapper, the plague has to go out of a way to get her vial from the corrupted fountain. And this can cause a big time delay. So should you spend the time to go out your way? And if so, when is the best time to do this? I think that's a, that's super dependent on uh, what kind of survivors you're going against and what map you're on and what the situation is. So most of the time, it's not worth it because um, you'll have to leave a chase if you are in one to go out of your way to pick it up. Like, let's take Swamp because Swamp has like, I think, one... <laughs> One one pool spawn in the middle, and the rest are very out of the way, like on the edges of the map. Um, so you'd have to really go out of your way to get it, and there are no loops on the edges of the swamp map, which is also a problem, in my opinion. Just move everything a little bit more to the middle. But anyways, um, so it's hard. Like, if you have gens flying and you're really pressured to get someone, you'd need your power for it, right? But if the gens are flying, you also have no time to run all the way to the edge of the map, pick up your power, and then go back and hope you find the people again. Because Swamp is just too big. So in that case, I'd say deal with the loss of it, probably, and just be like, yeah, nope, not getting that. Cool. If you have survivors who are cleansing a lot, uh, and it's a big map where you can't pick up your power um, efficiently, let them over-cleanse. Just let them give it to you automatically and see what you can make happen with it. And if by any chance, obviously, you run by it to pick it up, then absolutely pick it up, try to get it in the chase and do that. But other than that, don't. It's it, it's very dependent on the survivors if it's out of the way, sadly. That's not anything you can really do about it in that case. You have to consider what would happen if you do, if you know where people are, or if you don't. And sometimes you just have to accept that you can't actually get the most, the best part of her into the game. Well, there we have it. Another great interview. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming by, sir. It's been great. Uh, thank you. I hope I answered questions to everybody's satisfaction. <laughs> and uh, there we have it. We've reached the end of another great podcast. And it was really nice to speak to Sarah from Eyes about her love for Plague. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, then why not give us a, a review on Apple Podcast? And if you're on Spotify, then just give us a rating. It would really help us out tremendously. We also have more interviews on the website, intothefogcast.com. Or, if you prefer to listen to it on the app, just search for Into the Fogcast on your favourite podcasting app. This episode was recorded on patch 6.4.3. So I'd like to thank Sarah again for agreeing to do the interview, myself and Tofa for everything else, and all links will be in the description of the podcast. And we hope you have a great day.